America, my name is Amiose Frimpong, and you are watching The Black Athenians. I come to you live every Friday about this time to tell you about the news of the day. And today is going to be a special episode. I'm going to review. I'm going to review the uh the new Fred Hampton movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. All right, so I saw it pretty much the day it came out, and people are going to say, What do you think? What do you think? All right. I have clips from actually Fred Hampton talking. I have ideas about the movie. First problem people have with it is about it, it being from the perspective of the snitch, O'Neill. It's actually a pretty common theme. Uh, the movie Amadeus, it tells you about Amadeus from Salieri. The uh, musical Jesus Christ Superstar is a lot from Judas's perspective. It's actually, there are a few other movies where, look, if you don't have a good handle on the development of a, a, you know, a messianic figure like Hampton, then actually telling the story from the people he was affected. I mean, the, the, the musical Hamilton does of something similar. It's kind of from the perspective of Aaron Burr telling the story from someone who is affected by Hampton is actually a, a, a fair narrative device. There are a few other films that actually escaped my mind that use the same narrative device just because you're dealing with someone larger than life. And unless you want to actually understand Hampton, then the best thing you could do is go from uh, go to someone who was affected by them. And then, so why do you pick a snitch, right? So nobody's going to be indifferent to the Black Panthers. And most people who see this movie are going to be suspicious, because they've been indoctrinated into thinking the Panthers are something that maybe they're not, right? So with the understanding that most people who see the movie are going to be suspicious, in these United States, we probably have more people with the insight and fiber of William O'Neill than we have of Fred Hampton. He's actually a fair cipher, right? You can't get someone who's completely indifferent to the Black Panthers because most of us have been fed pro bad propaganda. So you get someone who is suspicious, easily bought, because most people, unless they've been schooled by myself and others of my sensibility, are, are pretty easily bought. And so if you're looking for just a cipher, just a way to tell the story to a people who are going to be suspicious, O'Neill is actually, I mean, there are more people like the Mitchell, the, the FBI agent, than there are like Fred Hampton. Who are even going to see this movie? They don't know them. They don't think of themselves as like that. But you know, um, so actually portraying them and then how they deal with Hampton is, I think, a fair is a fair way to tell the story. And in a way, it's safer, right? Because there isn't a lot of material on the formation of of Hampton. And I've you know I've done some digging. We know we have speeches. We know, you know, he was an organizer for the MWACP, but he was so young. He was 21 when he died and like 20 when he, 1920 when he was making moves. So the actual formation of Hampton, we'd have to go and, you know, you read enough of his interviews, you know, he read, we'd have to go to his books. We'd have to go to the questions he was asking. We'd have to go to Bobby Wright, who was one of his teachers, but Bobby, Dr. Bobby Wright died. So... It's easier just to, to display him as the finished product rather than him develop, his development. He didn't have an autobiography as dictated by him to Alex Haley like Malcolm X did. That's why Spike Lee was able to do kind of the development of Malcolm X in a way that we couldn't get with Fred Hampton because it would have all been guesswork by people who themselves were not actually as incisive and you know, as good at this as Fred Hampton. So it's actually, this was as, this was a movie that could have been made, should have been made and is appropriately made and you should go see it. And so now that I've talked a little bit about, there is a problem with the actors being so old, right? Kaluuya is um, close to 30 and Lakeith uh, Stanfield, the, the guy who played O'Neill is probably around 30. And the, you know, Hampton was 20, 20 and 21, and O'Neill was 17 when he got recruited, and I think 20 when he did the deed. So 
we're talking about kids. We're talking about kids. And I don't know what to say. I guess you could have casted different actors. There's this idea that nobody, you can't find a 20 year old who looks 20 who could have done the acting part, but that's just not true. That's just, it would have, you would have had to, um, you know, make a wide, uh, like, <laughs> you would have had to get someone by 19, get them coached and act, you know, get an actor at 19, get them coached by a political theorist for a year. And then they would have actually been able to, to mouth the arguments with the same kind of sing-songy draw that uh, um, Hampton did, right? So you would have had to turn someone into a philosopher for, that to, for it to actually stick, for it to make sense. But I think you could have done it, and I think it would have been nice to, because I think high school kids need to see this movie and see themselves in like a year, right? They, they, it's, it's, yeah, like there's I we need to actually think of these are the kind of 18-year-olds we should be producing. And we also need to think of the government's going to, uh, not just the government, the fascist government, the fascists are going to have their hooks in your 16, 17-year-olds. Um, so portraying O'Neill as being a victim at that young, which is pretty much a, a variety of child abuse, I think would have been important. So the movie, I think, could have done that better. But... Uh, all right. So also you have to understand that Hampton was an anti-fascist, right? So the main antagonism was between the black Panthers and the cops, but that's not actually fair because it was between the black Panthers and capitalism, right? It's just that the contact point between black people and the capitalists are cops. So I think it's a little bit, it's disappointing to the extent that we didn't get the political and economic critique in the same way because it was all about what we have to do to, to deal with cops. All right. So I'm going to play a clip. I like playing a Fred Hampton. I'm going to play a few clips during the show, but this is one of my favorite Fred Hampton clips. And um, I'm going to play it. Then we're going to talk about it. And I'll tell you why I love Fred Hampton. You basically knowing my ideology, and basically you know, me knowing yours, you can uh, support some of our programs. Is that what you're saying? Why not? And you believe in programs like the Breakfast with Children program and pre health clinics? Right on, brothers? We believe they're good things. Uh-huh. As a focal point to organize their mothers and fathers. Uh-huh. Peace. Mm-hmm. There's no educational program here? Uh... That's come out of social action. You know, you set that up, right? I mean, we can't put everything on one piece of paper. What about this bank? Credit union? Mm -hmm. Credit union. Credit union, my brother. Is a if bank. You're hip to, are you hip to credit unions? It is a bank. Yeah, you go and buy money? Yeah. yeah. It's a bank. It's a bank. Owned by the people. Run for the people. And by the people. What will money be given out to people for? Well, the people would decide that. You want to buy, you know, whatever, you know, the people in the community would decide. You need some living room furniture, maybe? You need a car, maybe? See, I got it. The thing is, with me, you dig, I, I need to know some more about it. I wish you had some more literature about the educational thing here. Because, you dig, as far as we're concerned, you know, in the struggle, the way we look at struggle is that uh, this depends on the educational thing, you dig. Because well, of, this depends on the education. Well, the whole thing. No, but in the end, this does. You, you can form yeah. this with no education. You can uh, form this. this. No, no, not the way we're talking about forming it. You know, right. We're talking about forming it right. You know, it's not on the paper. We didn't write it on no, the paper. Form it right with no education. No. Let me give you an example. Uh, you, you, your more Kenyatta formed the excellent revolution with no education. And on the day of the end thing, your more told the motherfucker, I said, well, uh, you know, you've been educated to uh, uh, hate the enemy, but uh, I'm your brother. I'll help you lead the revolution. Now I'm more pressure. 
Another example, Papa Doc in Haiti. Papa Doc in Haiti hated everything white. Man, you couldn't put this white paper in front of Papa Doc's face. But he moved all the white people out and he took over and be yeah, oppressed. He did, causing no education. And the people that had been educated, they just said that we don't hate the motherfucker white people, we hate the oppressor, whether he be white, black, brown, or yellow. So we got to know your educational program to find out what is going to be in the finale. A lot of people work. Yomo Kenyatta is called not a never a revolutionary, but an ex-revolutionary. So it's Papa Doc. They brought on a successful revolution. That thing in uh, the Mamas was a bitch. Bantu freedom fighters, all that kind of action. What we're saying is, that it's the end. That you don't judge Castro now. You can't do it. Nobody in this room could judge whether Castro's going to be a revolutionary or not. Uh, you know what I mean? We're talking about things, you know what I mean, uh, with uh, China, the People's Republic, and even at the stage they're in now, talking about even going on further into a communistic state. That's what we're talking about. That was a revolutionary. So we got to understand here the educational program that you have to be able to figure out whether it will go on the right lines where the people will end up in a situation where they can be able to really control themselves. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, with no education, the people that take this local foundation and start stealing money because they won't be really educated to why it's a people's thing anyway. You understand what I'm saying? With no education, you have neo-colonialism instead of colonialism like you got in uh, Africa now, like you got in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Haiti. So what we're talking about is there has to be uh, an educational program. That's very important. As a matter of fact, we are so important for us that a person has to go through six weeks of our political education before he can consider himself a member of the party, able to even run down ideology for the party. Why? Because if they don't have an education, then they know where. You dig what I'm saying? They know where because they don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. You, you might get people caught up in the emotionless movement. Uh, you understand me? You might get them caught up in because they're poor and they want something. And then if they're not educated, they want more. And before you know it, they'll be capitalists. And before you know it, we'll have Negro imperialists. Yeah, but you see, brother, the uh, reason we don't do a lot of talking is because what you say is a foregone conclusion with us. Yeah, well, see, brother, the reason I do do a lot of talking is because I don't, there's no foregone conclusion with me. Who are they program geared towards? You got black Easter, you got black Christmas, you got black brown. So why shouldn't you just steal the money? Why shouldn't you just steal the money? That's, that's the question. You run a bank. You're the head of the bank. You've been poor all your life. All you want to do is get rich. You want to be a boss like Jay-Z. Why, why shouldn't you just steal the money? It's because meaning comes through participation in a whole institution with other people. It's, not, it's suspiciously hard to turn money into meaning. It's suspiciously hard even to turn pleasure into meaning. Because meaning's going to come through participation in a whole. You're going to be a part of a functional whole and a self-determining whole. That means you need other people who are going to actually participate in the whole. This freedom is a group project. People don't like hearing that, but I'm going to tell you some uncomfortable things. Freedom is a group project. So if you want to be free, that means your people need to be free. And the people that um, you work with, to build need to also be free. That means they're going to tell you some things that you don't like, but that you're all in it together because everybody has their eye on the whole because that's where meaning comes from. Why do I say meaning comes from understanding the whole? Well, okay. The mind is what grasps the whole. The mind is what grasps, like, you don't feel the whole unless you're like proprioception. But for the most part, the mind is what grasps the whole. Meaning is what comes through the whole. That's why when you have a liver, a liver is only a liver because it works as a liver within a body of differentiated parts. A heart is only a, a heart isn't a heart abstracted from the body. A heart is a heart because it functions as like the blood pumping organ within the body. That's what makes it what it is. That's what makes a liver what it is. That's what makes a hand what it is. It's its relationship to its functional relationship to the whole. Right now, black people, we're an alienated population, especially black men, we're just kind of disposable. We don't have a functional relationship with America. That's why we are disposable. Um, and insofar as we do have a functional relationship, we don't, we're the, uh, we're the boots, <laughs> we're the implements, we're tools, not um, partners in designing the whole, right? So you need to think because it's through thinking that you apprehend and appreciate the whole and are able to differentiate it into functioning parts and then get your meaning as like a functioning part of that whole, right? And you don't get that if you're just immediately chasing satisfactions. That's why, you know, chasing pleasure, even getting pleasure won't be meaning. 
because meaning is going to come through being a functioning and valued part of a whole. Right. And mean and self-determination is going to be not just being a functioning and valued part of the whole. It's going to be able to um, have the authority to govern the shape of that whole with other people, um, with an eye towards the whole, not just a come up. Right. And if you don't understand that, you'll steal the money. If you don't understand that this is the money is to support the whole through which we all attain meaning as individuals. But we all attain meaning as individuals participating in the whole. In the whole. But so that was, um, I mean, that's, that's what I do. It's, it's philosophy. But a lot of people have a hard time understanding. You didn't learn this in high school. A lot of people have a hard time understanding why it's hard to turn um, uh, money into meaning or pleasure into meaning. It's because meaning's going to be intelligible through understanding your functional part within a whole and self-determination is going to be also is going to also include the power to determine the shape of that whole with other people um who constitute that whole right so and if you don't have any sort of standing within the whole or you aren't a valued member a member of the whole you're going to feel like your life is meaningless because there's going to be a way in which your life is meaningless. Even if you, like, there are lots of ways for this meaninglessness to, to, to emerge. Um, but that's why it's hard to be meaning, to meaningfully live in the United States if you're broke and alienated, if you can't participate, or if you can participate but only on someone else's terms that you can't redress. You can't pray, you can't praise, you can't blame, you can't shame, you can't do anything. You are their black flesh and you get to just live, right? If you have that kind of degraded relationship with the institutions through which you, you know, earn your daily bread, then you're not going, you're not going to be able to eke out meaning. You might just keep living, but you're not going to like nothing that you do is going to be of you. You're not going to be able to participate in uh, the whole on your own terms. You'll be participating on someone else's terms, right? So when he says all power to the people, it's that the people design and determine the shape of the whole. But if you don't understand, and it's the mind, it's thought that can grasp the whole. That's why you can't just kind of feel your way or screw your way into wisdom. It's thought that grasps the whole and like the differentiated parts and can cut it up in differentiated parts and fit themselves into it as a, a, a valued and productive member of the whole that also gets to govern what the whole looks like. And that's how you get meaning. And so why is meaning tied to function? It's just a structure of thought, right? So this is a computer, not a paperweight, because not because of its color, but because it functions as a computer. This is a microphone, and not just a uh, not just a paperweight, because it actually allows me to speak, and then you um, you hear this in your computer, right? So, what it is is determined by how it functions, and how it functions is a matter of how I can use it. Or we can use it to, you know, this, depending on who you talk to, this program itself is an institution of, self, um, of self-determination, both mine and yours, as you will be more free and knowledgeable about freedom after this video. Um, and by the way, if you like what I'm doing and you don't think you're going to get it anywhere else because you're not, go ahead and go to www.thefunkyacademic.com and kick in $5.15 or $50 because the quality of education I'm giving you every week, depending on who you talk to, makes me down white unemployable. But I think it's important because you'll have to understand the goal of organizing, not to get everyone rich. The, get, the um, goal of organizing is to get everyone as an empowered member of, you know, their community, this community, and eventually this nation. Um, 
Because if you're not an empowered member of it, you're a tool of it. And I'm tired of black people being tools. Right now we're kind of an internal colony in our own um, nation, and I do not like that. So we need to actually get power, economic and political, in order to be self-determining. Right? But you have to understand the whole and not just think of it as like a get-rich personal scheme because you'll just be an individual who's alienated. You know, a quick thing about alienated individuals. It turns out that there's like some sort of cardiovascular disease that black men who are middle class have worse outcomes than black men who are poor because black men who are middle class often live around too many white people. And so that's stressful. So it causes a, a, a quality of stress. So I thought that was, I thought that was fantastic. I, I thought that was interesting. Um, so the idea is that in order to get meaning in your life, you don't need to get rich necessarily. You need to have enough standing and standing in America and a market-based society is going to come through secure income or wealth in order to sustain and be a valuable part of the political and social and even your family um, institutions. Right? And if you don't have that, then, or if you use money but not use money for that, then you're still, it's still a meaningless life. You might like, you know, get some pleasures out of it, but it's still going to be meaningless life. So you want meaning, that means you want power within as a functional member of, a, a stable and functional member of a whole that you get to determine yourself you get to determine the shape of. Because if you don't, especially at the political level, if you don't determine the shape of your politics, that means your politics is using you, or their politics is using you as, as a form of exploitation. So that's, um, that's why you shouldn't steal from the bank, even if you can. Because the goal of the bank is to support the whole of the community through which you'll actually get meaning. So you might get richer if you steal from the bank, but it will be a meaningless wealth because it will only be meaningful through its participation and through your participation through the institution. Hope that was helpful at all. But, uh, you know, six weeks of that and you're ready to be a panther <laughs> to, to understand. All right. So they're going to be... Um, they're going to be... There's another interview from, from Hampton that I'm going to talk about a little bit. And it, it, this is very interesting. This is why, you know, we got a lot of white dubious allies here. But but it's going to talk, then I'm going to talk about what Fred said, and, and we'll all get, be a little bit wiser for it. Fred, where does the Black Panther Party stand concerning the weathermen, the SDS? We stand way back from the SDS and the weathermen because we believe that the weathermen action is two actions. It's REM2 and weathermen. We think they, they call them both national action. We think that REM2 is national action, weathermen is national reaction, you know. We think it is anarchistic, opportunistic, individualistic, it's chauvinistic, it's uh, uh, customistic, and that's the bad part about it. It's customistic in that it's leaders take people into situations where the people can be massacred, and they call that revolution. And it's nothing but child's play, it's folly, and it's criminal because people can be hurt. We say that they're doing exactly what the pigs want them to do. When they take people down and, and just do nothing, play around, and the pigs are prepared for this, and they'll wipe all of those young people out. We think these people may be sincere, but they're misguided the muddleheads and the scatterbrains. The only way we can show them is to criticize them like we're doing right now and then leave from here and go to the federal bill and have a demonstration that's to educate, a demonstration that it is uh, disciplined and organized. You know, and that's what we're going to have to do and let them see the examples. Tell me why you feel the approach of the SDS weatherman is wrong. I feel it is wrong, uh, just as I said before. No, don't don't that, tell me just you say before. That's why I asked you again. Just answer straight because okay. in case we use this part. You feel that it's well, wrong. Let me ask you again. Why do you feel that the approach of the SDS weatherman is the wrong approach? I feel that it's wrong because it's pig action. You see. They're doing exactly what the pigs want them to do. They're leading people into a situation where the, it's an astronomical situation, too great for the people to deal with. It's a situation where you got a bunch of mechanical pigs with 357 magnums and shotguns and mechanical mates and all that type of thing. And then they're talking about they're going to 
carry on a revolutionary struggle, that's not revolution, it's insanity, it's, it's a madness, it's nostalgia, and it's a massacre. That's what it's a potential massacre, that's what it is. And we don't support that because we've said all power to the people. All the power is manifested in the people. We don't have any people whose lives we believe that should be thrown away. Has the weatherman SDS tried to get you to go on their side? Have you met with them and what happened? We met with the, the weatherman faction of SDS uh, several times. We've had ideological struggles and we have ideological differences. So what we did was we had an, uh, we, we, the other faction of SDS that agreed with the Black Panther Party called for an alternate action, a well-disciplined uh, action not to provoke pigs, an action not to talk about uh, setting up confrontations with the pigs because the people are not ready for confrontation. These confrontations that they have are premature. They're politically premature and they're wrong because they commit people in a situation which they're not anywhere prepared for. Well, why do you think the weatherman SDS tried to link the Black Panther Party to its movement? I don't know if it was actually the weatherman of SDS. I'd have to say that it was the establishment press that is nothing but a tool of Warden Nixon's uh, machine. We call him Warden Nixon because the whole world is a penitentiary and he's just a warden of the whole world. And you see, these people are just an arm that he uses for fascist oppression, you know. And I think today these fascist uh, news media might have did that. Now, briefly, how would you sum up what the Weatherman SDS is trying to do and what you think of what they're trying to do? I'd say that basically they believe that, they believe that white people need to learn how to struggle, that they believe that these white workers need to learn how to struggle through confrontations. I'd have to say that basically I believe that this is incorrect. I believe that white workers have been struggling. They're some of the most violent people in the world. I believe that what they need is they need a redirection in their ideology and in their politics. They need to know who to struggle against. The workers need to start to begin to learn that their job is to struggle against the bosses. And until they do this, then struggle is incorrect. It's like no struggle at all. We say that if you don't struggle correctly, you shouldn't struggle. But you should struggle. We said dare to struggle and you dare to win. Dare not to struggle and you don't deserve to win. But we have to struggle properly. What about the special approach of uh, weatherman which seems to be violence well you see it's i don't think it's really violence you know what i mean i think it's just a lot of folly it's a lot of child's play i think that to have violence you've got to be able to cope with violence you know what i mean and that's what the black panther see the black panther party a lot of people say we're violent we're, we're a self-defense organization that believes that the people should be educated what's going on we yes we do defend our offices and we do defend our homes this is a constitutional right everybody has nothing funny about that the only reason they get mad at the black panther party when they do it is for the simple reason that we're political and they don't want to admit this there are a lot of young organizations around but we a political organization. We're an organization that understands that politics is nothing but war without bloodshed and war is nothing but politics with bloodshed. That it's just like you stretch something and it goes, you can stretch things they're going to be in another thing. If you stretch politics so long it'll be war and that's where we're at. Well then why do you feel it's so important for the Black Panther Party to disavow any real link with the weatherman SDS? I think it's important because there are a lot of people that watch the Black Panther Party for examples. They observe us and participate with us. And if we can be connected up with this, then it would be very uh, uh, unadvantageous to the people and very unadvantageous to the struggle in that people that claim to be revolutionary would be going down roads that they think might be revolution, but in fact they're not roads of revolution. They'll be going east when their intentions are going west and also it's important because the chairman Bobby Seal is in town and he's being tried by this fascist judge Adolf Hitler Hoffman you know and he's being tried without a lawyer and we've got to bring all of the attention and focus on this trial that we possibly can so the people can understand that these people are more capable of building gas chambers than Hitler ever was capable of building gas chambers and we're going to have to get together we're gonna to have to have some anti-gas chamber marches and some anti-fascism marches and some anti-Hitler Hoffman marches and some anti Mussolini, Attorney General Mitchell marches, and some anti-Daly uh, and some anti-Hammerhead, Hammerhead marches. These are the things we're going to have to do. The people need to be educated. If they're educated, we can resist and we can stop this fascism. Okay. All right. Thanks for giving okay. us the okay. shot. Okay. 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 Thanks. Right. So that was Hampton talking um, to an ABC interviewer who did not want any piece of him. And what's interesting, and I'm going to play one more clip. This one's a little bit shorter, uh, but I think it's, it's, it, it, it's important. Right? Like all of these clips are important. I wouldn't play them if they're not important. And, but it's another one that takes on why you might not want to be associated with too many white progressive liberals who don't get it, especially the anarchists, because they're going to be a bunch of problems. So one more thread, and then I'm going to explain why all this makes sense. 
I'll put it, I'll give you the sense of the whole. You know, you're talking a lot and I can see what you're saying about the, the anarchy and the, the whole trip about that with the SDS and yet like you and the people around you seem to be like always in danger. You know, you could be killed as you walked out of here because this happened to the, a lot of people in, in the Black Panthers and all the black movements and like can you be sure that your movement, are you strong enough now, you know, that are you going to go on? Is it, is the Black Panthers, are, if you go, if you um, are killed, um, will the, the breakfast program go on just on a, you know, day-to-day -day type level? Well, we last year, we uh, uh, started uh, three Breakfast for Children program. This year, we gave those three to the people, and they're running those Breakfast for Children already. The, and the people are right, right, right. And our whole program is geared toward educating the mass of the people. And that free health clinic that we have, the people in the community are going to run that clinic. And after a while, we're going to give them that clinic, and we're going to move on to higher levels because we understand the difference between the vanguard and the people. We're not going to practice any terrorism. We're going to keep out there setting up some new examples, some new revolutionary programs that the people can basically relate to because basically people are progressive and basically people are revolutionary. We're not worried about them killing anybody because uh, I think that, you know, they jailed Huey P. Newton and they ran Cleve out the country, Elvis Cleve out the country, and they uh, jailed Bobby Seale, and we got David Heed up there now, who's uh, very capable, most capable of running the Black Panther Party, and they can just take all of them they want to. We're always going to have someone to fulfill that position, because that's the type of organization the, the Black Panther Party is. We don't produce buffoons, we produce leaders. But everybody in the Black Panther Party on any type of cadre, he's becoming a leader. We can, um, our minister, Deputy Minister of Health, in the state of Illinois can run the Black Panther Party, and so can anybody on this cadre. So all that they're involved in is an excursion in futility, because anybody that tries to deal with wiping out the leadership of the Black Panther Party is dealing with a time-wasting, it's a futile effort to seize some type of power that can never be seized because it's a type of flowing power, and it's a type of unending, unending flow of this power. Every time somebody moves, we're just producing more and more people, you know. And you know how the story goes, it, you know, they had a chance of, of uh, wiping out power is what's got them in the mess they in now. Wiping out power is what, that's what's got the Black Panther Party on their asses, you know, because they wiped out so much power. So I think they about tired of wiping out power. They wiped out Martin Luther King and they wiped out Malcolm X, you know what I mean? And they wiped out all these people and these people were produced. So I think that in the near future, you'll see programs uh, initiated by the government that they'll probably have the CIA protecting people like us. Because when they wiped out Huey P. Newton, there was Cleaver popped up. I know very well that they said we wish to God that we had have kept Huey P. Newton on the scene because this motherfucker's out of his mind. <laughs> right on. Right on. Right on. Shit. So, understand that uh, Hampton wasn't anti-government. He was anti-fascist. Right, and fascist is corporate control using the government to, <laughs> and the government using using the government's cops pretty much using the government's legitimate uh, access to violence to control an exploited population that you just want to extract labor and resources from. Right, so he was anti-fascist. He wasn't anti-government. The anarchists are going to be anti-government. Anarchists are a lot of white people who are bored. You need government to secure rights, and the government is the one of the institutions through which, through which. Um, the people realize themselves, right? We haven't had that experience too much with the United States government. Like in the well-ordered world, it wouldn't be the Black Panther Party, um, uh, having these uh, clinics. And the clinics were great because the clinics were not just clinics; they were also, uh, what you call it? They were also community advocates. I lied. I guess I'm gonna do another video because this is one just about the clinics. But this is short, and I think it's it's good for you to to know something about the Black Panthers of the basic need in the black community for free medical service. You had the sun about three days ago, you see? Yeah. This is not the burn hand. This right. is another right. one. Oh, okay. Does it feel painful? No, it's not painful. Like it's infected and everything? No, it's not painful. It's good. Looks good, yeah. We got doctors every day this week. Next week, we got... No, we need one for next Thursday. Come to the clinic tomorrow for an appointment. What about... What are the chances of getting an ambulance now? Uh -huh. 
next weekend. Bad Ammoness. That's my best chance. Mm -hmm. What about me? Uh, the idea is all right, but don't, don't, you know, the idea is all right, but we just have to have money to get ammo. Well, how much money? Can't you use ammo? Yes. I'm, I tell you, I'm going to bring um, uh, a couple of pharmacists from the hospital where I am. They want to come out and see it, and they're interested in working, you know. We can have patients come through, see a doctor. After they get through, get a test, what, what have you, then they comes in and see the people's advocate. That's a... Uh, community person and person in the party who acts like a liaison between the center here itself and the community. He asked them what type of service they thought they got here in the center, you know, any other criticisms of the medical center itself. It's also to deal with problems outside medical problems, you know. People's Advocate has a resource file. In this file we have uh, teachers, uh, uh, sociologists, speech therapists, social workers, you know, this is all part of resource Okay, well, look at here. You know, my favorite part of that clip is when Hampton starts talking about the need for, or when they start talking about the uh, health clinics. Also, you had a community advocate. Because even if you get clean, even if you get, you know, all the right shots and get your antibiotics, you're still poor. Like, there's a reason why you were drinking to begin with, right? So there is no idea of health that doesn't include mental health. And there's no conception of mental health for black people that's not tied to community empowerment. Right? So I, I like the more expansive... See, white people, when they talk about mental health, they got a model that's based off of, like, German women who we wanted... Viennese women who we wanted to, like, middle-class women in the 1880s who we just wanted to control and keep shut up because they had ennui and they weren't very happy with their life. And, uh, you know, their husband sent them to analysts to, you know, keep them still uh, powerless, but just like happier about it. They thought they were living meaningless lives because they were and they were acting out. And so like <laughs> we have like white mental health is based on that model. Black mental health comes with a community advocate because you're not going to this idea that you can be mentally healthy, but still be disempowered is ridiculous is absurd and it should be called that um, there is no mental health that is that keeps you still alienated from power like the appropriate power to exercise rights on a par with all the others that's going to be one of the conditions of mental health right and not just food but power all right, so what you have to understand, so he, was a, he wasn't an anarchist because, you know, he, like me, probably just thought anarchists were just bored white guys who don't, who don't understand that you need a state to deal with conflicts, conflicts over rights. You need a state. There, and if you want, a free, you want a free people, there are going to be conflicts because you have to allow for conflicts. Conflicts over property, conflicts over jurisdiction, conflicts over institutional um, disputes. Because we want institutions, right? So how are you going to adjudicate institutional disputes? It's going to go to a state. It's going to go to an arbiter. Do you, don't, do you want the arbiter to be foreign? Or like some sort of alien power? Or do you want us to come together in order to put down the rules for our individual conduct so that we can be like individuals within the state? So this is... Um, it, it would be the, the equivalent of a player's league of a league where the commissioners were also um, players, except just in the off, in, in the off. Right. So you want, if you want self-government, you want um, you want the people to decide the shape of government, and you want the people to also to be able to participate in the institutions in non-political ways. Right? So when I'm thinking about the institution as a whole, I'm acting politically. When I'm thinking about just my personal come up, that's fine too. I'm acting socially. I can do what I do. You do what I, you do. We all do it within the rules that we've set up when we think politically. So if you walk into a ballot, and this is where a lot of people get confused. You walk, when you walk into the ballot, you're thinking as a citizen, not as a civilian. When you walk into the store, you're thinking as a civilian. Thinking that you buy what you want, you don't have to worry about anybody else. We have a market system that 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 organizes all of that. 
when you walk into the ballot box, you're thinking at a citizen as in like, what kind of rules should we set out? Who should I elect to represent the whole? And the reason you want uh, to elect someone to represent uh, the whole is because you want to participate as a member of that whole and get your individuality as a member of that whole. That means you don't have to be a member of the whole like everybody else is a member of the whole. And you shouldn't be. You should be a member of the whole like you're a member. You should, be, you should have a recognized office in the whole. Um, but when you step into the voting box, as a, as a civilian, you're an individual. As a citizen, you're thinking about everybody. And it's just your judgment about what's good for everybody. Not what's good for you, but what's good for the whole. When you work as a civilian, you're thinking about what's good for you. And that's perfectly appropriate. In the same way that if uh, you don't want You don't want Michael Jordan and Bill Lame Beer to, uh, to be thinking about each other and like, oh, I don't want to hurt each other in like 1980s basketball. You don't want that. But if they were also commissioners during the summertime or like during the off season, then you want them thinking, all right, so what does the league need? But when they're players on the league, that's different than their role as commissioners. And that's why... When you're a civilian, that's when you're a civilian. That's different. That's going to be different than when you're a citizen. And the same as when you're a spouse. That's going to be different than when you're a civilian or a citizen. Right? Three different spheres of of self determination call for different qualities of thought. Um, but it's all going to be governed by the political, and that's going to be a state, right? So the state's going to kind of. That's where we figure out what kind of families we like. We don't allow all sorts of families. We don't allow incest. So like, there are things, there are rules that the state sets as part of its political duty. Now, the state shouldn't tell you what kind of sex you should have. That's something you decide as part of the minor institution of you and your partner. The state shouldn't tell you what kind of macaroni you should buy. That's something you decide as an individual. State shouldn't tell you what, what, what you should uh, order at a restaurant unless it's like a public safety hazard that might actually uh, distort the whole or, you know, you don't, it, um, you're not going to have enough information to make a decision as an individual. So the state has to kind of take, um, take some sort of uh, authority or responsibility for that. But you have to understand that these anarchists who think, oh, we'll just live stateless. These are white guys who actually, they, they have money. <laughs> and they will call the cops on you. So uh, anarchy is just as silly as a person who would, who would um, the people who think you can be free without having a state are just as silly as the people who think like real freedom, stealing the money and being alone. Right. And, and these are the same people who think that like freedom's with nature. And uh, these are white anarchists who go with nature. Well, you know, nature is good. My dad's from Africa where like we like you, in the United States, you don't, we don't know nature. We think we know nature, but the entire nation's been domesticated. In Africa, nature is what eats you. It's what gives you all sorts of diseases. Nothing, like, there's nothing natural about this communication. This isn't made by nature. This computer, this computer didn't grow by nature. Like, every... We, like, cancer is nature. Low death rates is nature. Uh, I mean, low life expectancies is nature. Everything we make, we produce. Everything that like enables our freedom, we produce. The problem is a lot of bad things can also be produced. So just because fast food is artificial doesn't mean that like the GMO carrots you get from Kroger or Publix or Ralph's or something like that are necessarily bad. Genetically modified food's pretty awesome. It's the reason why most of the world can still eat. And that we have like crop surpluses in some places, right? So the, not all um, artifice is just us using our mind to solve our problems. Washing machines and toothpaste are artificial. They're also awesome. So, but like the same people who don't understand the role of the state in securing freedom don't understand the role of just of, of nature as being oppressive. Nature is indifferent. I can't negotiate my rights with a tiger or a fire ant or a cockroach. Like I can't, like nature is indifferent to my freedom. 
And that's why all power is going to be with the people for Hampton and anyone who actually thinks through the philosophical implications of what I'm talking about, because you need other people in order to be free. Even the fascists do. That's why they have so many cops like disciplining black bodies. Not like the labor is good, right? People like their, their windows done and their houses clean and their kids watch over. Like all of that, none of that stuff is going to happen naturally and all of it's incredibly time consuming without a division of labor. So they need differentiated offices. They just want to set the terms of the differentiation. And people like myself, people like Fred Hampton, so like, no, the people set the terms of the differentiation. <laughs> we'll do it. And... um and, and then we'll also do the work, but the people, the people will do it and the people will get uh, the rewards from doing it too. Right, so this romanticization of statelessness and this romanticization of nature, when the conditions of freedom call for both states and um, people, the organization of people, because people are emancipated in a way from nature. This is also why like pathology is a, a, a problem and I have a problem with drugs because if you're under the sway of a pathology or if you're an addict, you're not really that, your judgment's impaired and I need your judgment in order for me to be self-determining. I need you to be self-determining, which means I need your faculties working um, so that you can apprehend the whole and you can have your judgment and we can talk. But if you're an alcoholic or if you're uh, like completely dependent on a substance, it's kind, of hard, it's kind of hard to share power and rule alongside a meth addict. Right? So I need you stable. I need you earning so that we can make meaning together. So you empower the people and so that the people can run. But yeah, it takes a while of, it takes a little bit of education. This isn't something that you probably got in high school. Um, or this isn't something that's, uh, I don't know, share this video. And once again, if you like what I'm doing, I th and which I think you should, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and, and share this video around in your social media and kick in $5, 15 or $50 a month because, you know, it'll pay for marketing budgets and, and eventually I'd like a producer so I don't have to do all the back-end stuff too because if I have to do all the back-end stuff and read books and finish my dissertation and like teach my kids violin, it, uh, some things get, get, get lost. So I would like to actually uh, hire um, a producer who could take some of uh, the, the, the back-end work out of it and I could just prepare for the show and do the show and then and that would be great. Uh, what else do you need to know about Fred Hampton, the movie, uh, the Judas and the Black Messiah? Right, so remember that cops are just the contact point. They're a very important contact point between black people, the black communities and fascism. But the, the end goal isn't getting rid of cops. I don't want to make cops less relevant. But the end goal is to understand that cops are the boots of the people who would exploit you and consider you disposable and consider you tools of their aspirations. So a lot of black people are in the United States are the black flesh of white aspirations. And that's not a self-determining situation, being the black flesh of white aspirations. All right, so I hope that was, oh, and once again, why power comes to the people? Because people are emancipated from the dictates of nature, right? You need people in order to be free because they're emancipated from the dictates of nature. You're not free when you're negotiating with a boulder that's coming down uh, to get you. You're free when you're negotiating with a person, right? And so since you're dealing with a person, they can surprise you in good ways and they could do things. They could, um, they could play tennis or chess, whereas a tiger can only be a tiger, right? So you're only free with your interactions with a, with a person. But that means people can be infinitely frustrating. And so if you can educate the people, they can frustrate the fascists, which is why the cops come down when anyone's serious about the, the prospect of political education. Remember, that's what Fred Hampton was trying to do. Because, you know, this is a democracy. We want to empower the people, and we have to empower the people like, by clarifying their minds. But the quality of political education is what brought the cops down. And he was about the political education because that's where the power is. You don't want to rule over the people. 
You want the people to be smart enough and have the judgment to rule with you as a people. Right? And, but that political education is very destabilizing for like an oppressive order. And that's what calls out the cops. Right? So uh, thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope this was uh, helpful. Go see the movie. I'm a fan of the movie. I think the movie's fine. Right? I think the movie's fine. There are other movies to be made. There are other stories to be told. But, um, and I wish, like I said, it, I mean, black life is overdetermined by the police presence. But black politics is not just merely about police. It's about freedom and oppression. All right. Take care. I'll see you next week. Next week, I'm going to talk about the Alabama union vote for, uh, for Amazon. You go from one plantation to another, and it's, it's, it's complicated. But I'm going to, I'll, I'll say a few words about that next week. Peace. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of, in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. <laughs> and I want to be a free Negro. So, um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash and the site takes credit cards. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of, in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. <laughs> and I want to be a free Negro. So, um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash and the site takes credit cards.